0: The scripture reading is taken from Ezekiel chapter 11, verses 14 through 21. It can be found on page 699 of the Blue Pew Bibles. And the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, your brothers, even your brothers, your kinsmen, the whole house of Israel, all of them, are those of whom the inhabitants of Jerusalem have said, Go far from the Lord. To us this land is given for a possession. Therefore say, Thus says the Lord God though I removed them far off among the nations, and though I scattered them among the countries, yet I have been a sanctuary to them for a while in the countries where they have gone. Therefore say, thus says the Lord, I will gather you from the peoples and assemble you out of the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. And when they had come there, they will remove from it all its detestable things and all its abominations. And I will give them one heart, and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh, and give them a heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statutes, and keep my rules, and obey them. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. But as for those whose heart goes after their detestable things and their abominations, I will bring their deeds upon their own heads, declares the Lord God. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated.
1: Thank you, Maggie. You know, I think one of the things that I love the most about having our children with us is that we understand that we come before God's Word in real life. Um, It's not something that is so controlled that we don't bring with us both the joys and the riches of whatever this last week has brought into our lives, but also the sadness and the sorrows. And there are a lot of times when those two things collide so much that you're not quite sure how to be here. And that reminds us that being here is to the end of praying as women and men who are needy. So will you come before God and pray with me before we look at this text? Father in heaven, we come before you and before your word, and we are undone by the very thing that Aaron reminded us of, that your word never goes out and returns to You void, but always accomplishes the purposes for which You sent it. Father, we're unsettled by that as we are unsettled by so many things in our lives. Father, we drink in the joys that You pour out on us, all the while anxious about when the next shoe will drop. Father, we sit in the sorrows wondering if You see us and if You know us, and if you will respond when we cry to you. Father, I look at the news and I watch the wars and I hardly know how to pray. I hardly know how to come before you and recognize that though this world feels like chaos, you say that your sovereignty has never been threatened that Your transcendent ordering of all things for Your glory reminds me, Father, that You are not just a better being than we are, but that You are wholly different. Father, we come before You as women and men created in Your image. And yet, unlike You, who are utterly dependent. We, Father, are dependent on You. Father, for those women and men who are here today who have yet to come to faith, we ask that as You show us the consistency of Your Word today, You would move in their hearts and bring them to repentance and faith. Father, that a new joy would be poured out in their hearts, the likes of which they've never known. Father, it is surely the case that some of us are here today who think that we have believed in You, who think that we have put our faith and trust in You, and yet we have continued to live our own lives as if we're in charge. Father, would You wake us up? Would You remind us that You are a God whose good news orders our lives? And Father, finally, for those of us who have cried out to you multiple times this week, for those of us who have sung your praise and even articulated your gospel in many different contexts this week, would you bring us back to your table and would we feed from your favor and would we rest in your love? Would you, in the next few minutes, prepare us For the week that is before us on this first day father we thank you that you are more committed to communicating to us than we are to listening to you and so we ask that you would do immeasurably more than all we could imagine in these next few minutes in your name jesus we pray all these things amen We are in the middle of a sermon series on the book of Ezekiel. Every time I have told people that, they laugh at me and go, What? You're preaching through the book of Ezekiel? Uh, It's a challenge, but it's been one that I think has been incredibly fruitful for us. I want to point you to two things. One, the page number in the Bible where these passages are is page 699. And then the second thing that I want to make sure that you see that is right before you is that the outline of this sermon series is on page 14. And you're going to see that after today, uh, we begin to preach thematically through these books, through these chapters, because it's just too long between now and Christmas to preach any other way. But we want to sit in this third of three series in this chapter 11 so that you might see what Ezekiel sees. I want you to see in these few verses that Maggie just read to us. I want you to see how God's good news clarifies Ezekiel's purpose. All right? That's what I want you to see. I want us to see together how God's good news clarifies Ezekiel's purpose. And I believe that if you see that, you and I together, we will understand that it is also God's good news to us that clarifies our purpose. And we need to hear it again today. Trust me we all need to hear it again, me included, and, and me most of all. Look, in verses 14 through 21, that section that Maggie read, it's on page 699 of those Blue Pew Bibles, Ezekiel eleven fourteen. 14. It is God's good news to Ezekiel. This is what God says to Ezekiel. I will give a heart to desire and a spirit to inspire. And we look at this good news, this proclamation of God in the context of Ezekiel's life. And it provides for Ezekiel clarity and purpose. Remember with me for a minute who Ezekiel is. He's now 31 years old. When the book of Ezekiel started, he was 30, but that was 14 months ago. He's now 31 years old and he's married. We don't know if he has any children. He's a faithful priest. He grew up under Josiah's reform of the temple where Josiah found the law. He read the law. He wrote the law as he was required to do. And then he taught the law. And he encouraged the priest to do so. But Israel was taken over by Babylon and Ezekiel was taken into exile. So Ezekiel does not live in Jerusalem. He lives in Babylon. And he has been there for six years as a slave. Everything that we know about slavery in the Middle East, in this ancient Middle Eastern time, is brutal and ruthless. And Ezekiel is in six years out of the 70 that he will be there. In the first few chapters that we saw Ezekiel, he acted out plays without speaking. Chapters 4 and 5 remind us of that. But now in chapters 8 and 9, Ezekiel has been given visions of destruction of all of Jerusalem. Those were the visions that we've been working through in the last two weeks. And now in the very presence of God... As the Lord shows him that he has lifted up out of the temple and he has left it, Ezekiel fears the worst and he cries out in verse 13, Ah, Lord God, he says, Adonai Yahweh, will you make a full end of the remnant of Israel? And the reason that he prays this is because he's certain that's what's going to happen, right? You don't become a slave in Babylon to be freed one day. You become a slave in Babylon to die a wicked life, an oppressed life at the hands of your oppressors. And as God has shown him the visions that we just saw in 9 and 10 of the destruction of the people of Jerusalem, he fears the worst. And now he waits on God and he cries out, And it's God's good news in response to Ezekiel's fears articulated in verse 13 that we understand God clarifying finally for Ezekiel what his purpose is. And he says it in verse 15. As Maggie read, he says in verse 15, Son of man, your brothers, even your brothers. And he emphasizes his relationship to those who have been scattered abroad in Babylon. He says, even these brothers, your kinsmen, and we're going to come back to that word in just a minute, the whole house of Israel, all of them are those of whom the inhabitants of Jerusalem have said, go far away from the Lord. To us, this land is given for a possession. He is saying to Ezekiel, those who refused to leave Jerusalem and taunted you as you left in exile and said, go far away from the Lord. This land is now ours. Those Israelites, he says, those Israelites are the one who sent your brothers, this whole Israel that I intend to redeem into Babylon. And the Lord says something unique to Ezekiel. He says right there, even your brothers, your kinsmen. And there's a note in your Bible. And again, let's remember how we read those notes. We go round to the bottom of the Bible and we see that the Hebrew there means the men of your redemption or those to whom you, Ezekiel, are the kinsman redeemer, the one who has both the right and the privilege and the duty to redeem out of slavery. He said to Ezekiel, those whom you are with in Babylon, these are the ones who you are going to redeem. What does Ezekiel hear? He hears that God is at work and he understands for maybe the first time his purposes. He sees with clarity that that Ezekiel's call is being defined for him. Let me ask you a question. Are you here today going, man, I wish I had that kind of clarity. I wish that like Ezekiel, the the voice of the Lord would come to me and speak this identity into me and then speak purpose into my life so that I would know how to make the decisions that I've got to make that uniquely you have to make (laughs) that no one else can make for you. Here, Ezekiel hears from God the good news that he is supposed to proclaim as that kinsman redeemer. Get the picture. Ezekiel has been been picked by God in Babylon to proclaim God's good word. And God has said, listen, I'm holding you responsible to preach this. I'm not holding you responsible to how anybody responds. But your role as one who will bring redemption is through the faithfulness of what you say. And then God says, this is the good news. I will give a heart to desire and a spirit to inspire. This is God's good news to Ezekiel. That's a context. I want you to look at this God's good news with me for just a minute Notice that the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel. This good news is in the very presence of the Lord. We've been saying that the presence of the Lord is the theme through which we look at this book of Ezekiel. The ever-present, awe-inspiring power of God to give life and strength to his people. The focus is to give life and strength to his people in this passage. And note how God does that starting in verse 16. God demonstrates to Ezekiel his merciful action thus far. God has told Ezekiel, I'm going to destroy Jerusalem. He said to them, I am going to give the people of Jerusalem what they want. They want me out of their lives. He's shown them image after image how the leaders of Israel and the leaders of Jerusalem have turned from God into idolatry. And he said, I'm going to give them what they need. And in God's merciful action, he scattered, he says, he removed the exiles from Jerusalem and Judea, and he scattered those exiles into the countries where he has sent them. But he tells Ezekiel in verse 16, but I have been a sanctuary to them. I have not left them. I have gone with them. And Ezekiel even saw that image of the presence of God leaving the temple, deserting Jerusalem and going east to the exiles. And God's merciful and gracious action continues in verse 17. In verse 17, he says, but I will gather them and assemble them. He tells Ezekiel, I'm not done with those who you think are done for. I'm not done with them. I'm going to gather them and I'm going to assemble them. I went to John Minin's party last weekend and Mita and i did and willa jane asked me to go downstairs and look at her legos i didn't realize how ocd i was until i looked at willa jane's legos those legos were everywhere And she kept picking up pieces of Legos and she would drop some other pieces in another set of Legos. And these Legos were so mixed up. And I thought, have mercy, each of those Legos is supposed to build something. How in the world are you ever going to tell them apart from one to another? And I mean, my skin was crawling. I was waiting for Megan to say it was time for dinner so I could go upstairs and not be in the chaos. But God has said to Ezekiel, Ezekiel, the chaos is where I'm putting you because there, when you proclaim my words, you, I am going to use you to gather and to assemble my people whom he is bringing back, right? And then he talks about what he's gonna give them. Remember, this presence of God is the awe-inspiring power of God to give us something. And in verse 17, God says, this is what I'm gonna give you. I'm going to give you the land of Israel. He says, I'm going to give you one heart and I'm going to give you a new spirit. Do you see that? God in his presence is proclaiming the good news of what he's going to do. And Ezekiel's purpose is becoming clear to him. We're almost done with Ezekiel's purpose because we're going to end with yours and mine, ours, because that's where this is headed God says of this new heart that it will be given to us for life and strength or given to the exiles for life and strength, right? In verse 19, he says, I'm gonna give them one heart to desire again and a new spirit to inspire. Remember, he says in verse 19, it's gonna be a heart of flesh and not a heart of stone. What does he mean by that? Well, remember, you and I, Human beings created in God's image, we've always been given a heart of flesh. That, that's how we were created. But our bent on sin and the Israelites bent on sin here has turned their heart of flesh into a heart of stone. Why? Well, it's the same reason that's been given throughout all the prophets. You become what you worship. And, and this idea of becoming like the idols that they worship... People who had mouths but couldn't speak and eyes that couldn't see but ears but couldn't hear and hearts that weren't of flesh anymore but are a stone now, just like the idols that they worship. But God says, I'm going to give you a new heart and a heart that desires me. It's in comparison to verse 21, the people whose heart desires detestable things, the idols that they still want to worship, Right. And then he says, and I'm also going to give you a new spirit to inspire you. And this heart and this spirit together inspire, make alive that which is dead. We're going to see this again. Don't worry. Ezekiel 37 is all about the valley of dry bones. But here we understand that this new spirit to inspire and this new heart to desire is going to lead the Israelites in verse 20 so that they may walk in my statues, that they may keep and obey my rules. This new spirit that has been given is to empower his people to do that. Well, suddenly I find myself listening to, an Isaac, to Ezekiel and going, man, I need that. I, I need that new heart. I wish I could tell you all how many times during the week a thought comes into my mind. And, and, and let's be honest, it doesn't come into my mind. Where does Jesus say it comes out of? It comes out of my heart. And the only right thing to do with that thought is to deny it, is to condemn it, and is to repent of it it comes out of me you want to see it first just ask Camilo and Maria as I teach them how to drive and what do I have to say to them don't drive like me this is the right way to drive but you guys it doesn't stop there it comes out in jealousy it comes out in anger it comes out in thoughts of sexual morality it comes out like nothing like nobody's business And I think to myself, I need that new heart. How about the idea that you know what to do? Remember Paul in Romans 7? I know what to do, but I can't do it. Well, what's Romans 8 about? The ministry of the Spirit, that which empowers us. How many times do we stop and go, man, I need that, right? So here in Ezekiel, the very gifts that he is going to give the Israelites, uh, the exiles, we go, man, I need those gifts too. And then finally, he gives life and strength to his people. Do you know to that? Verse 14 through 21, it's it's they and you, plural, all over the place. Do you know what's not in verses 14 through 21? Anything singular. Only God is singular. Everything else is plural. God ends this promise and he says in verse 20, And they shall be my people and I will be their God. They, the exiles, those whom God has scattered and who he has removed from from Jerusalem, he will gather back in as my people, he says, and I will be their God. Identity. These individual impacts that lead to corporate identity. We... In the Western world, we in the United States, um, we in New England, let's make the pencil sharper and sharper. This idea of not individuality, but corporateness is something that we can barely wrap our hands around. But you guys, this promise of one new heart is a corporate new heart. And this idea of a new spirit is a corporate new spirit. It certainly has individual impact. There is no doubt about that. But this gift is about belonging and joining. It's why the church, when it's the church, is the most fantastic thing that could ever be. And it's also why when the church is not the church, it's the most devastating institution that there is. Right here. And Ezekiel hears... God's good news proclaimed to the exiles. And he says in essence for the rest of the book, look what God is going to do, exiles. Look at what he's going to do. So turn away from your idols and return to him. In a nutshell, that's the book of Ezekiel. This is the gospel that is given to Ezekiel, that gives him clarity and purpose. Nathan, unfortunately, gets to preach for the next week through chapters 12 through 24 about the judgment of Israel. And then after that, the next chunk of chapters is about the judgment of the other nations. But Ezekiel has purpose and clarity because of God's good news. The gospel is about the presence of the Lord with his people the gospel that God spoke to Ezekiel, the good news that he spoke to Ezekiel gave him purpose and clarity. Does the gospel, the good news that God has spoken to you and me give us that purpose and that clarity? Listen, there's very little that was realized in Ezekiel's day. The land, they did return. The exiles did return after 70 years, but it, it wasn't their land. It belonged to Babylon, and Babylon could crush them anytime they wanted to. But they did return there. Um, a new heart and a new spirit, read Ezra and Nehemiah. See if there was a new heart and a new spirit given. It wasn't given. God promised it here, but Ezekiel didn't see it. And so how do we get from Ezekiel to us How do we understand the good news of Ezekiel that that gave clarity and purpose to his life and the good news of the gospel, how does it give clarity and purpose to us? Well, it's through Jesus Christ, the ultimate kinsman redeemer. The word of God that Ezekiel heard became flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. Ezekiel practiced the kingsman redeeming by proclaiming the good news of God. Jesus practiced being our kingsman redeemer. And I don't mean practice like he tried, I mean he did it by becoming the word who became flesh and he bought us with the price of his blood. We belong to him and it is him who our lives are supposed to proclaim. According to the gospel, We have been crucified with Christ just like Ezekiel spoke or God spoke to Ezekiel of his historical work in the life of the Israelites. The gospel of Jesus Christ speaks of his historical work in your life and in mine. We have been bought with the price of Jesus' blood. We were enslaved to sin and death and Jesus is our kinsman redeemer who set us free by giving his life for us. And we are sent out with this gospel of Jesus. We are joined to Christ. We are conjoined with Christ, if you will. And in his body, the church, how many hearts are there? Because of who Jesus is, there is one heart For us, it is the heart of Christ to whom we have been joined by the power of Jesus' death and resurrection as we have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer us who lives, but Christ who lives in us. The one heart is his heart and Jesus' heart is for this world. This world over which he is Lord of every square inch. He is Lord, not we are lords. I want to ask you a couple of questions in regard to this. This is how we get connected to Ezekiel, is through the person and the work of Christ. I want to ask you a question. Do you love this place? Listen, this is a hard question. Because if your answer is no or even sometimes, that's something to repent of. Do you love this place? Because God loves this place. That's why you're here. That's why I'm here. That's why we're here. Do you pray for this place? The city where God has put us. Peter talks about us being exiles. Do you pray for this place? The prophet Jeremiah says that it's in the welfare of the places where he's put us that we're going to find our welfare, right? Do we long to see others gathered in this body, the church? Or honestly, when we look at our lives, do we just want to leave? Look, do we just want to move? I talked to somebody down south who used to live in New England, and he said, yeah, you know, there are a lot of pressures, aren't there? High taxes, political uh, pressure, Cost of living, struggles to be a Christian here. And he wondered, is there going to be an exile of Christians running from the places where God has called them? Now listen, I have no idea where God is calling any of us particularly. God could be calling all of us to Athens, Georgia as a whole church. I have no idea. But we won't think clearly about that until we begin to repent of our lack of love for where he has put us. So how do we get from the exiles to the church? That's how we get from Ezekiel to us. How do we get from the exiles to the church? The church being the people of God. God has told the exiles, you're going to be my people and I'm going to be your God. But that's true of the church as well. So follow this, because it's also through Jesus Christ, who, when he was lifted up on the cross, he drew and still draws all people to himself. This is who Jesus is. As we look upon the cross and see there on the cross the justice And the mercy of God joining together in the person and the work of Jesus as we see God's love for us by sending his own son to die for our sins, we are drawn to him. We confess that we believe that. And Jesus gathers and he assembles his church from all the other flocks around. Remember, this isn't just the Israelites that are gathered. It's the church gathered from all the flocks. Jesus said, I have so many sheep from so many flocks. And to that gathered people, he has given his spirit. And we are described as the church as living stones among whom the Holy Spirit indwells. And that spirit empowers us to repent. See, this is good news for us. It's good news for us If we can't see the connection between Ezekiel and us, because God has said, I am giving you my spirit that you would be empowered to repent. Aaron pointed it out in the corporate confession of sin. We repent of our idols of comfort and ease. But the spirit also enables us not just to repent, but to obey. To live the lives that we were supposed to live. Sinclair Ferguson wrote this great book. It's called Worthy. Those of you all who are college students, you're getting it in your care packages. It essentially says, the Bible says more about how you live than what you say about the gospel. Did you know that? And I think it's a pretty convincing argument. How do we live lives worthy as becomes the followers of Christ? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Church, let me ask you in closing, in closing, Will we obey his statutes and rules? Will we, church, as Catherine prayed and recognized in her prayer, will we allow sin to be called sin? And the beauty of that is what Nathan reminds us of all the time. Anything that's called sin is now capable of being redeemed. That's awesome. Will we proclaim Christ with our lips? Where and when are you and I needy for right desires, and for the power to obey. God's good news clarified and empowered Ezekiel. I believe that as we see that good news, the gift of one heart and one spirit, work through the person, and the work of Jesus, it is also God's good news in us, with us, that clarifies and empowers us. And Martin Luther would say, This is what we should talk about every Sunday because it's what we forget every Monday. Is that true of you? Sometimes we call it getting distracted. It'd be nice if we could sweep it away that easily, wouldn't it? Um, This is what I need, and it's what we've been given in Christ. Let's celebrate it as we come to the supper. Pray with me.